0: And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Well, since the Supreme Court chose to uphold Proposition 12 in March, pork producers across the country have been left wondering what this could mean for their operation. Proposition 12, a 2018 ballot measure initiative passed in California, set new housing requirements for meat sold in California. Illinois Pork Producers Association's Lana Chauvelin says that right now Illinois farmers are not expected to become compliant with these housing requirements.
1: That is something that they have the option whether or not they want to do that, but on the way here this morning I was talking to our president, Chad Lehman, and I think the problem that they are all facing is what is the next step? If we don't become Prop 12 compliant, that's fine, but then as more states see what's happening, will they adopt Prop 12 compliances as well, and then we do end up having to adapt to those standards.
0: California produces only one percent of the U.S. pork supply. However, they consume around 13 percent of the country's supply. Chauvelin adds that the problem does not just lie within California's Proposition 12.
1: It's the fact that all these different states could start bringing up ballot initiatives and throwing these rules around that don't have any scientific evidence or guidance from actual farmers writing that legislation. So If we do say we're not going to be compliant, which that is what most of Illinois is doing, it costs several thousand dollars per pig to change up your operation to be Prop 12 compliant. Well, so then what happens? You look at the ramifications of that. California has less pork. The rest of the country has more pork. Then our markets are going to go even lower than we've struggled with this last year.
0: Chauvelin says that there is a possibility that Illinois could follow California and implement its own version of Proposition 12. That's why she says it's important for farmers to always be sharing their stories and continue to work with their local Farm Bureau offices on action steps. California's Proposition 12 will go into effect on January 1st of 2024. Well, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service recently proposed new planning policies for national wildlife refuges, but unfortunately that document did not include any mentions of the benefits of working with agriculture. Shelby Hagedauer, Senior Director of Government Affairs for the American Farm Bureau Federation, says agriculture is a key part of national wildlife refuge activity.
1: It's called cooperative agriculture, and this is a long-standing practice. Farmers and ranchers partner with a refuge to help meet wildlife management goals. In some refuges, agricultural activities were identified as a primary purpose when Congress established that refuge. It's important that this partnership is maintained in new policy
0: documents. Hagenauer talks about what happens if agricultural uses were left out of the upcoming final guidance document.
1: If the draft documents are not amended, it would be a missed opportunity for the service to send a signal to individual refuge managers about the benefits of agricultural activities on refuges. Agriculture on refuges both provides and improves wildlife habitat and the food resources for that wildlife. And that's consistent with current and proposed refuge planning goals. Grazing is an important management tool to keep invasive species in check, stimulate establishment of native vegetation, and also decrease fire risk by reducing fuel loads on a refuge.
0: And now that the Public comment period is closed. She talks about the next steps for Fish and Wildlife Service in finishing this guidance.
1: The service will now review all the comments submitted, including those from Farm Bureau, along with comments they received during conversations with state agencies and tribes. They will then issue the final policies, and those will be used across the refuge system for years, possibly decades. So we encourage the service to include the importance of agriculture as part of these
0: final management policies. And once again, Shelby Hagenauer is with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Well, two South American nations represent some of the significant moves within USDA's latest global cotton production forecasts, a big part of the look at total production. But World Agricultural Outlook Board Chair Mark Jekinowski says there is a caveat.
1: Kind of an accounting change that we made in the manner in which we treat Brazil's production. We shifted Brazil's production ahead one marketing year to better reflect when that crop is available
2: on the market.
0: Market analyst Alan Brugler with Brugler Marketing and Management says the USDA looked at cotton numbers and realized that production moved from the southern areas of the country to places like Monte Grosso or Goya's meaning more cotton needed to shift marketing years.
2: They were showing it as being in in year A, but most of it was being consumed and used in year B. And that was distorting the world's supply and demand balance sheet, making it look like we had a lot more cotton than we really did. They were basically having to stand on their head and whistle to make the in and the out match
0: up. Brugler says that required the USDA to go back and do a major study on the timing of the supply flows, ultimately revising all historical data for Brazil and the world going back to 2001. Within the latest report, Jechanowski says while Brazil's cotton production forecast month over month rose by 800,000 bales within USDA's global balance sheet.
1: Only 200,000 of that reflects a yield increase. The remaining 600,000 just reflects this shift in the way we account for Brazil's production.
0: Argentinian cotton production forecast also increased over the previous month and combined with the Brazilian forecast, offset lower production resulting in a 200,000 bale increase in world cotton production from September. Brugler says this was a major revision, only the third he's seen happen and has a big effect on the marketplace.
2: The net impact is it, it, it makes the world cotton stocks tighter than they looked before that. It explains why we saw high prices and we weren't really tight on stocks, why that was happening. It's not going to pull cotton up now because you know it trades it what's physically out there but it's it's a reminder that these data series can be revised it's also a reminder that production changes around the world and, and where the stuff has grown and when it's grown can can distort some of those numbers
0: and once again that is comments with alan brugler with brugler marketing and management and world agricultural outlook board chair mark Jekodowski on the latest usda cotton revision well, Washington apple harvest is well underway, and so far the report is showing really good volume and great quality fruit. Stem milk growers marketing director Brianna Shale says the weather really cooperated this year.
2: I think a lot of growers are feeling like it's, it's the tail of two different apple crops. So last year you had one of the smallest crops in the past decade, and it was also challenged because of multiple weather events, including a really rare snow and frost during bloom.
0: Shales says that felt really good to put behind them.
2: So just challenged a lot by weather. And this year, it's sort of the opposite effect. We had great growing conditions from bloom onward. And so that's going to help the crop rebound both in size, but also in really, really great eating qualities.
0: And Shales says beyond that.
2: Yeah. in Washington State we will return to better volumes compared to, you know, a, a small crop last
0: year. After last year, Shale says normal feels good.
2: Yeah, or above normal even. So the Washington state crop is estimated at 134 million boxes, you know, and that was as of August 1st.
0: And once again, that is comments with Brianna Shales of Stemil Growers talking about the Washington apple harvest. Good to see that they have good results again so far there in Washington state. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of American Ag Today. Thank you so much for joining us, as always, here on the program. If you have story ideas for the program, send them my way via email. Just email me at Jesse Allen J-E-S-S-E-A-L-L-E-N, at AmericanAgNetwork.com, and I can take a look at your story idea and see if it's a good fit for American Ag Today. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network, I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.